What, which, this, that, or the other? From Bonnaroo to Coachella, traversing the music festival landscape can be tricky. That's where we come in with high fives for everyone. The What Podcast with Brad, Barry, Lord Taco, dedicated to exploring the entire festival scene. Brad has worked in the radio industry for more than 20 years and currently lives in Brooklyn, where he is program director for three stations, including one in New York, one in Detroit, and one in Miami. Barry's been a reporter for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, covering all aspects of the entertainment industry since 1987. That's before you were born. Lord Taco, the smart guy who makes these podcasts on our website at thewhatpodcast.com work. Also really good at identifying babies, loves blue-haired moms, PBR, and his beautiful Volkswagen bus. We all fell in love with the Bonnaroo Festival years ago, not only because of the amazing bands that play there every year, but also because of the incredible community spirit that has developed around it. Radiate positivity. And we really like talking about the inside baseball stuff when it comes to putting on a huge music festival. So join us. You can hear the What Podcast on the Consequence Podcast Network or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Hey pod people, Engineer Adam here, jumping in for a quick second to let you know about the brand new all-in-one platform for all of you creative podcasters out there. Anchor makes it easier than ever to make a podcast. It's free to use and has all the creation tools you need to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Plus, Anchor will get your podcast set up on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever podcasts are found. Even better, Anchor helps you connect with sponsors, even if you're just starting out. It's the perfect choice for podcasters, so make sure to check it out. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Back to the show. There is a podcast that is a world unto itself. A podcast as boundless as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the place between light and shadow. Science and superstition. You've entered. The Fifth Dimension. The latest series from the Consequence Podcast Network will open the door into Jordan Peele's new revival of The Twilight Zone, and it will go as far as the limits of the mind itself. Subscribe to The Fifth Dimension. Consequence Podcast Network. To all of you beautiful pod people out there, I am your host, Leo Phillips, and you have just tuned in to This Must Be The Gig. It's your little backstage pass to the world of live music. Each and every week, I bring you a fascinating conversation from the beating heart of the live music and performance scene, and that could really mean chatting to musicians about their favorite performances, festival founders about how to create a lineup in 2019, choreographers, comedians, and actors about performance, You'll see some upcoming episodes soon. And it's really anyone obsessed with performance in the way that we are. But before we dig into this week's fantastic, very exciting interview, let's check in with our constant companion here at TMBTG Studios, engineer and co-host Adam. Hello. Hey, hi, hello. What's new with you? I'm doing really well. I'm just yeah. really digging into so much new music. Oh, I feel you are? like we're at the end of the summer. It's about time. It's a big month for, for releases. What are, what are you listening to? Well, so I don't want to spoil any future episodes. Maybe I'll just spoil wink, wink, em. nudge, nudge. I've been uh, really... <laughs> you actually just winked and nudged. Okay. 
So the, oh, Lord. the collaboration between The Body and Uniform a oh. couple years ago is one of my favorite albums of that year. And guess what? They're doing it again. And it's coming soon. And I am so pumped about it. I'm already calling my shot. It's going to be top of the top. And we haven't even talked about albums from two of my all-time favorite bands, Sleater Kinney and The O.C.'s. Mm-hmm. That's coming. It's so exciting. I feel like September is just jam-packed. There's new releases coming at us from every angle and <laughs> yeah. every ear hole. And now we're looking forward to, well, I am, the new Bat for Lashes, Iggy Pop. Uh, gosh, there's a new Kindness coming. There's a new Devendra Banhart. There's a new uh, Charlie XCX. Muna. On and on. It's just uh, I don't know. It's just it's just crazy. And then we also have so many episodes already booked. And uh, if there are that many exciting albums, that means there are that many exciting episodes coming exactly. up. Exactly. So get but that. I don't want to spoil holes. anything, so I'm not yes, going to mention yes. a lot of them. But it's going to be thrilling. Heart thumping. It's truly. But let's not get ahead of ourselves before we get that far into the future. Let's talk about what you can do to make it a bright and beautiful future. Asterix, if you like us. Namely. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher. Parentheses, if you like us. On Stitcher, on Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, wherever you subscribe, go subscribe, rate, and review. It makes a big difference. We really would appreciate it. So go out there and get it done. Instead of scrolling an extra minute through Instagram, which I could or could not be doing right the second, go. Are you? (laughs) (laughs) no i'm not look my no hands but i am just here to tell you that it will really take you one minute and the reason why we ask you to do this even though it punctures our souls is because it's the only way that the algorithm can find us it's true so if you review that means that there's activity on our page which means that then they can show you us to other people not you to them you are safe it is us that is vulnerable <laughs> and volatile in out in the open safari. And don't forget, if you want to reach out and talk to us, you can always reach us at TMBTGPod or at Lior Phillips on all of the social medias. And mm-hmm. let us know what you think about the show. Let us know who you'd like to see in future episodes. Just yes. generally chat with and us. And then also um, let us know what you think about us doing mini capsules of our favorite songs, maybe twice a month or yeah, once yeah. a month. It's an idea or we're something. kicking around. What do you think? Thinking about something like that. And we could even include some films that we have been watching. It's a uh, performance. And talk about that. Yes. But let's get into this week's interview, shall we? I'm joined by the Dandy Warhols, the Portland Quartet, Portland, half Portland based. Say that some, four times fast. Portland some, Quartet, Portland, Portland Quartet. Portland. Portland. Some are based in Australia and you'll get that chat soon. They recently stopped by Chicago and I got to meet up with them right before their Chicago gig that already when I was walking through after their sound check had a long queue Already mm-hmm. waiting. And there was a Cubs game, so it was pandemonium around that They've area. They've got that dedicated fan base. Yep. And I got to sit on their tour bus and experience that for a little while and dive into their world to discuss their first concerts, their rise in the early aughts, and just so much more. But let us not be delayed. This is me, Zia, and Brent. Enjoy! Enjoy! 
want to introduce yourselves? Let's do that. <laughs> Hi, my name is Brent, and I am the drummer for the Dandy Warhols. Hi, Brent. Yeah, what's going on, Zia? <laughs> I'm Zia. I'm the um, the bass player for the Dandy Warhols. Okay. Etc. Etc. Et yeah. <laughs> yeah. We are currently on your tour bus at the in Chicago because you're playing at the Metro tonight. Who's opening for you? Do you know? Cosmonauts. Cosmonauts. Oh. Cosmonauts. Yeah. They've been opening for us the whole tour. We oh, should know. They? We should know <laughs> by now who's opening. <laughs> what is was... the? Where have you been before this? Where were you before? Uh, we were um, Atlanta, New York, Boston, DC, Toronto. Toronto. Is it the same route every time you tour? Oh, no, no, oh, no, 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 What what dictates the route then? How do you know where you're going? Where the offers are and how okay. it all connects and and the you know it's it's timing. Right. Yeah. So where are you all based now? I live in Melbourne, Australia, and uh, but I was born in Portland, and all these guys are still in Portland. Yeah. Ah, you live in Australia now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. So how's that with the time difference? Oh, you, that's it's uh, that's it's insane. a long ways that's away. Like, what, it's all right. Fifteen hours ahead of. Uh, they're they're they're. Uh, it is. Uh, what is it? It's nine thirty a.m. Yeah. No, it's nine oh nine a.m. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. That is insane. But why did you move to Australia? It's so I, beautiful. I met a cool chick. Amazing. And now we got okay. two kids, and you know, eight years I've been there. So. Yes. It's the same old story. It's not an interesting story, really. I find that's in, that's kind of like my story, minus the kids. I met a man in Chicago, and that's why I'm here now. So. That's it. See, that's what happens. But Australia is very similar to South Africa, where I'm from. And oh, yeah, we have a lot of uh, yeah. South Africans there in Melbourne. Yes. Yeah, one of one of my wife's best friends is from South Africa. What's your surname? De Boer. Yeah, De Boer. Yeah, Dutch. Dutch. But Peter Holmstrom. Is his but but his mom, so not Holmstrom. She she's from South Africa. Do you know where about? Oh God, no. A, I'm terrible at geography, and B, no, you're not. You think you are. People say they're bad. I'm telling you, you know more. You know more than you think. So I had a boyfriend (laughs) test me on this, and he pulled up an open map of the world, and I was like, Oh, you are really gonna be disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) You might not want to go out with me anymore. Wait, what is the dead spot? What well, are the dead spots? So Europe is fucking hot. No, America. Oh, like, yeah, Oregon. Well, I mean, America. <laughs> they yeah. just don't. States, I get a little bit confused they, on some of those states in the is. middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the yeah. bottom. At the yeah. bottom. Yeah. But where did you grow up? In a log cabin. <laughs> I told you I'm bad at geography. <laughs> okay. In Washington, just 45 minutes north of Portland. Okay. So, no. you know how people are like, I'm great at geography and trivia? What is your trivia thing then? Like, what is your thing that you have the weirdest... I don't know if they do a lot of trivia with number stuff, but okay. I'm pretty good with numbers. That's so much better than being good at geography. I'm so embarrassed for, like, ripping you off that you weren't good at geography. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like, numbers are so much better. Zia's <laughs> really good at spelling, too. Really? <laughs> She's one. She's one well, epic, massive spelly bee. And all his intention in what he was saying. So well, we only just that. to give him shit. <laughs> <laughs> so so wait. So I don't, I don't know why. Maybe it's not a big deal. But if you're living in Australia, how do you? How far ahead do you schedule the tours so that you can make sure? Or are you always able to just hop on a plane and head over? Oh no! I just try to get it all as early as possible. The schedule, as soon as even anything is remotely even thought about yeah. being done, so that I can organize my life back yeah. home. It's it's the most difficult part of my life, really, is having to get on planes and, and come and do this and because it's 
We have to constantly move stuff around. It's quite a commute. We accommodate everything <laughs> around the band, yeah. which is um, well. Tough. But that's been going on. I mean, For so many years. I moved the date of my wedding, the date of my honeymoon, and and which pregnancy I was going to keep. You know, for this band. <laughs> but you can't stop it, right? It, it's it is absolutely, it is absolutely a part of your lives. And well, I mean, I guess we no... could stop it, but we don't, but we don't want that, to. But then how, why did you choose to prioritize it over those big things? Or do you feel like if you I felt had like started was... out married before you started... The, that may just have because, changed things, yeah. but I mean, I was 18. so and, and I feel like we made a collective agreement to make this a uh, priority. Yeah. I, I don't think it's quite the consuming priority that it used to be. We do sure. allow each other to turn down gigs and and put other things like family first here and there, mm-hmm. but it's still quite the priority. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to last forever, and then we're going to be sad of the gigs <laughs> we didn't take when there aren't any gigs, I know. you know? But then also you think, because, I mean, everybody's different, but then you also think that, like, sometimes it, w- back in the day, of course getting out on tour was kind of the only way that people could really experience a band, you know, other than obviously holding the cassette or the uh, CD in their hands. Or being on radio. Or being on radio, right. exactly. Right, so we had college radio exactly. and gigs. But and not then... around, not in, internationally. I mean, you were internationally known, of course, but you weren't touring completely everywhere. And now I suppose if you didn't tour, like there's so many bands that like just don't tour because they can just release like a mixtape on SoundCloud and that's good well, enough. You know what I mean? A lot of a lot of people these days just make make songs in their bedroom on their laptop and would have absolutely no idea how to play a concert, but they're really good right. with computers. Yeah. So what do you feel I don't wanna say this might sound weird, but what do you feel is your has been the thing that has helped in terms of touring? Do you feel like it is the time that you came out or do you feel like it's a number of different factors like why has touring become how have you been doing it so long I I think that's maybe my question well okay so there's the bands that make their records and then they tour and it sounds just like the record yeah so so eventually like what's the point people love that too yeah but But that's never been us and so part of why touring is a staple of our career is because the live phenomenon that is the dandy warhols is entirely different than the recorded phenomenon that is the dandy warhols yeah and because we not only reinvent our songs for the stage but we reinvent our songs Every night we're on stage right. for that stage, for wow. for this mood, for that audience, and because of that, um, you're you're showing up with expecting the unexpected, and um, there's something about that. There's something. Yeah. There's also something about seeing four people that have been doing something together for 25 years because. What have you been doing for 25 so, years? It's insane. Have you had the same partner? Have you had the same job? No, what have, have you, you doing yesterday? <laughs> yeah, so to see that there's been people in that that intimate of a communal space mm-hmm. and, and working together and compromising together and creating together for that mm-hmm. length of time becomes a whole new reason to go mm-hmm. see somebody live. And also a whole new reason to continue to play, I suppose. Because if you don't, if you're playing the same shit every night... Right, it's you always know, new for us. So so it's not going to yeah. wear out as fast as the bands who are just recreating the albums. I imagine at some point a band that recreates their albums perfectly live mm-hmm. is going to go, they could just listen to the record. I mean, I've, <laughs> how many bands have we seen do that? It's like, it's not even lazy. It's that, I don't like, know, but I don't see them twice. <laughs> it's a yeah. different style. That's true. No, right, and I hear yeah. people go, 
Man. It sounds like their record. That sounded exactly like the record. I'm like, boring. (laughs) Well, it's true, though, because you kind of want to hear a note out of tune. You want to hear somebody doing something and improvising and feeling the audience. It's why when something goes wrong on stage that you then overcome and, Mm. like, start the song over, all of a sudden we've all gone through something together. Mm. It's not us giving you something, but it's us going through something together and coming out the other side together. Mm. That's a special thing. Mm. It's not why you bought your ticket, but when you leave it's the memorable moment yeah because you've always been known for your live shows i feel like i i don't know i've like i even just like went back into some of the videos and things like that and do you feel like you learned like let's can we talk about the first ever show do you remember the first show that you ever played yes i do as a band or maybe as our first shows are different first shows yes i know that right yeah i don't remember brent's first show you joined well, after the, first, the second My first album. show with the Dandies sure, right? was like 22 years ago or whatever. Yeah, it was um, Seattle at the Showbox oh, with wow. uh, Pink Martini opening. Opening? Yeah. Had you played, how much had you practiced with the band prior to that show? Uh, no, like three <laughs> rehearsals, one God, week. It wasn't very much. One Court week. called me 10 days before we flew to Europe. Oh my God, I knew, oh God, 10 days. Had you known much about the band at the time? Like yeah, how, I'd, what seen them play like, I'd seen them play like 20 times. We never missed a gig. Salem, Eugene, mm-hmm. Portland, maybe a couple somewhere else too, yeah. Seattle. We would go to all the shows, me and all my friends. Um, oh, but isn't that that? How did? Well, how did you feel when you? Are they singing? The Cubs just must <laughs> the, have been big. Uh, I think they maybe. Finally, I mean, they've finally, finally been ended. playing the whole day. Hey, so, I don't so like yeah. the Cubs now. Sorry. Okay, but go I'm ahead. I'm just gonna say it anyway. You say it casually, like I knew about the band before starting, but I feel like that's an incredible thing to join something that you were a fan of because I think bands that are really good live and really good musicians also I are fans. <laughs> I couldn't have had I seen the dandies twenty times. You would never have joined, right? Absolutely not. But that's what I'm saying. Is that like you seem so casual about it? You were terrified. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is the real. He also knew he was the man for the job. Yeah, you I kind of, I kind of, yeah, Running well, and singing and already knowing Courtney and being related to him. I'm yeah. Like, there wasn't anybody else. Yeah, I knew yeah. all the harmonies and stuff too. I, I sang along with all the songs so many times mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm pretty quick mm-hmm. at picking up on the harmony notes and I, I knew him. And then the first night Court and I got together, mm. we came up with the vocals for one of the songs off of 13 Tales, mm. just mm. right there that night. Yeah. So we knew we could kind of make melodies together. And also we did like five or six of the standard of the staple dandies mm. songs and sang them really well. And, and, what did and you think my, my, went on? What was my, the my other band with uh, Rick Bain, we'd opened yes. up. We'd opened up for uh, the Dandies a couple times. Mm-hmm. So Courtney had seen seen me play. So he didn't really need to check that out. He knew I could play the yes. the, the beats yeah. fine. And and he, and also I sang harmonies with that band from the drum set too. Right. So we just sort of strummed on guitar for a while. And then he called Pete and said, "Okay, we're fine. We can still go to Europe. We, yes. we got this guy." Yeah. And then uh, and then there was some silence on the phone and Court's <laughs> like. Dude, I don't care if if he can drum or not. He's we we've we, this, we, need, we need this guy. <laughs> get home. Pete was like in L.A. He said get get back here. We need to rehearse. So what was the thing that um, I don't? I I feel like it's uh, elementary to ask how you felt before because I feel like your feelings probably transitioned into like a million feelings over the course of the first night. But how did you prepare for it? Like mentally, did you did you allow yourself that feeling of wow? 
this is happening or were you like fucking pull it together i need to be chill um no i was pretty comfortable in drumming i just hadn't hung out with uh any of these guys much you know mm. i knew court a little bit but I hadn't spent a ton of time with Zia and Pete, mm. really, except for just a little bit of time at a noisy backstage yeah. when we opened for them and stuff. Mm. But um, no, yeah, I mean, I was definitely a little bit nervous. But yeah, we had a pretty good first rehearsal, and then we rehearsed uh, the next two nights, and then then we drove up to Seattle for that gig. Mm. And then they added one more gig, like a last-second concert in Portland. Okay. And just to get another one under our belt, and then I think it was like the day after that, um, flew to uh, to England. So, like, so you were just in it. Yeah. There was yeah. no time really to to stop and actually take it in. Not really. No, it just all kind of was boom, 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 boom. I had to quickly organize. I had to to drive back to my university and mm. talk to all my teachers about what was going on because I was. <laughs> I was in my final term of college and yeah. I needed to leave right away. And I told them, I asked them if I could please. I knew, I knew them all. I'd been there for five years. So I knew, mm. knew all these psychology and philosophy professors were pretty right. well. Cause I've just been taking this, all these same teachers. So they all knew mm. me really well. And they, they, they said, fine. Yeah, no problem. Just, um, you know, we had a week between Europe and, uh, and the start of the U S tour in New right. York. So I just did all the work in that one week and got like D's on everything, but I still <laughs> but graduated. I still graduated exactly. with a. Th- I still graduated with a three one four, so it's not bad. Nice. Amazing. Do you? And so you you were telling me about the first uh, dandy, dandy show. My first, like first ever. Well, my first wasn't the first ever. Okay. There, Courtney's girlfriend uh, was in the band for a few months before me. Was that Gretchen? Gretchen. And and then they split, and Courtney needed um, another person that would play this this synth bass. Yes. And he tried out a few dudes on bass guitar, and he just didn't really like what was on trend for bass players in the 90s. Yeah. He said they all had a lot. What was on trend? I mean, we know. Yeah, post-grunge, yeah. yeah, e- emo. Pop, metal, I don't yeah. know what was happening. Boy bands, but he said they had bad habits. And yeah. he wanted somebody that didn't have any bad habits. Me not oh, playing any great. instruments meant no bad habits. Yeah. Um, but the first show, I was 18. Mm, 18. Yeah, I had just oh. turned 19. So one year of college, dropped out of college. Yeah. Um, I'd never been in a bar, right? So just being in the oh, bar. Oh, yes, I forget. You guys only... 21. Yeah, yeah. So it's this bar called the Laurel Thirst Tavern. Still mm-hmm. there. I've played there with my country band. It's a tiny little uh, famous um, kind of honky-tonk saloon yeah. bar in Portland. And I remember I had just come back from seeing the Grateful Dead. Yeah. And I had <laughs> practiced. I drew my keyboard on a piece of paper and brought a cassette of the songs and practiced on the piece oh. of paper the, the song. And I mean, that's a talent in itself, right? You, it I was mean, the best I could do. Yeah, it was the, my, pa- my, paper keyboard, yeah. my paper keyboard. And uh, then we got there, and it was the 90s, so I had a tongue piercing, and, cool. you know, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, like, how do I navigate being in a bar being a minor? Mm-hmm. I've never, mm-hmm. never played any sort of a musical instrument on a stage before. Yeah. Um, and the piercing had come undone and oh, rolled across the, the floor oh yes. yeah and, and i'm just standing there going well <laughs> so much for being cool 
Yeah, we're definitely also, not cool. It's gonna close. That's the first thought yeah. you So now I'm crawling around looking for this on the dirty floor. I find it, like rinse it off, sort of. Yeah. And I'm in the bathroom. I remember Peter looking at me, going, "You are a slave to fashion," <laughs> and just being so embarrassed. And then you know we do the show. I don't remember how badly the show went or, or how well it went. I survived it. I'm still in the band, so it must not have been must have that been bad. <laughs> yeah. At um, least you didn't bring your paper piano. Yeah, yeah, but it was very scary. And, and you know, I had I had all the notes written down on a piece of paper. And still, if you look at the top of my keyboards, mm. there's white tape with, with the, all notes. All the notes. Not all the notes, but yeah. any anyone that isn't just... Some things stick and some things don't. Yeah. Some songs or anything in your life, you're like, yeah. Why why can't I never remember that? Yeah, just the one thing. Yeah, why can't I just remember hit. that thing? So some of sometimes it's just the first chord. You know, what because songs are yeah. similar too. Yeah. So like I used to get good morning and godless confused. Yeah. One's D G and one's G D and yeah. I would start them backwards. And mm. so I'm like, I'm just gonna write that down. Yeah. yeah. And oftentimes nine out of ten I'd probably get it right without the notes. But when you feel that blankness happen and you see them gone. starting the song and you're like gone. <sighs> oh my god I'm gonna mess this oh, and just, so much relies on you I as well just look, well it, a wrong bass yeah. note on a synth is a wrong <laughs> note for a very <laughs> long time yeah you really it's not like dropping a note in a guitar solo no. it's like bleh. yeah it's, I, I, weirdly drums and 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 that I feel much like much more obvious much more obvious yeah. and weirdly especially in the tone and the Ooh. melodic structure of some yeah. of the songs the they're newer, so based on it plus the newer you are the slower you are to recover yeah. You know, it's wrong, and you just go, it's wrong note. Yeah. I'm playing the wrong note. <laughs> oh, I guess I? I should switch to the right note. <laughs> uh, you know, it's So, of course, my recovery time is so much faster now that it's not as scary. Yeah. But those notes, I really rely on them. And luckily, I have seen, especially synth players, mm-hmm. um, but I've seen notes on other people's instruments. And I've been like, okay, I'm not the only one that has to oh, write bliss. everything down. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like whatever is your way, you yeah. know, and also whatever it's really, takes. you might not even be looking at those notes. You could also just have it as a I might look at it once, or two, a, once per show. It's a comfort. It's a comfort. It's a comfort. What other comforts do you need then? Because I feel like you feel... It's so wonderful to hear you speak about your art, but you know, you I I don't want to ever take it for granted that you've been doing it for so long. Right. So what is the thing that you felt has been so comforting to you to continue to do, other than obviously the same people? But what what oh, is the same people is a huge comfort. I mean, yeah. the the more of the crew that we can keep. I mean, we choose our crew mm. not just for the merit of of whatever their job is, but for their personality. And this is a small container to, yeah. to, to hold humans in, right? A yeah. tour bus is, is quite quickly. a small container. Yeah. And so we don't want just a bunch of rogue guys. No, We right. want people with with personality and, and good senses of humor mm. and people that we can relate to and connect with. Mm. And one of the things that is, has kept us going has been that. Mm. Actually, our, our, um, he's our front of house guy this tour. Sometimes mm-hmm. he's monitors. Mm-hmm. But really, he's become our stage manager. He said that early on in his career, an older road dog said, if you find a team, mm-hmm. a band that you connect with, that you love, do whatever it takes yeah, to stay to with stay. those guys. Absolutely. Because 
it's just good for the soul to like get in community with people totally. and, and keep that rather mm. than just cycle through mm. whoever you can get the best deal or whoever's available. Yeah, or even somebody who has a, a name, you know, like oh, this one a worked with that one. Yeah, that also yeah. sometimes doesn't always work because just because they worked well with someone else doesn't mean at all that they'll gel with you. It's right. like a well, relationship. And, it's like dating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and often the best reputation people are expensive, so sure. we're usually going for the like fresh young bargain <laughs> so don't say that yeah. if we can if we can it's a lot of money to keep this many people in this how many well, how big is your crew what is the size of it do you know we have our front There's of house of yeah Total, so. yeah so we have someone doing the sound in the front someone doing the sound on the stage mm-hmm. for people that don't know that's your monitor engineer mm-hmm. um and then we have somebody doing lights and then we have a tour manager yes and a bus driver and you've had and a merch and somebody, and that somebody does, the, does merch, the merch, which is a treat. Not yeah. not everybody has that, but she's yeah. married to our stage manager, so, so it's then a, it's so easy for it's him a package, to be there. Absolutely, yeah, it's package deal. So tell me about because we've got a little bit of time left. Tell me about the first concert that you ever saw. The first, the very first show. Mine saw. is such a lame. But one. you have to. That's the rule. I don't make the rules. No, mine, mine's can, a mine's a good one. I I saw I saw the Beach Boys when I was like seven. When I was seven. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that that was pretty good. I'd been playing drums a couple of years, and they were my favorite band. So. Where did you see them? Where do you remember the location? Uh, yeah, at the at uh, whatever it is now. It's where the soccer team plays, where the Portland Timbers play. What is that big stadium off Burnside? PGE Park. PGE Park, <laughs> yeah, West Burnside and Twentieth or so. Mm-hmm. Did your dad or mom take you? How did you? Yeah, my dad took me. Yeah. Was it because you asked, like, how interested in music were no, you at dad, that point? No, dad, my dad was way into the Beach Boys, and he yeah. knew that was that and the Beatles were kind of my favorite groups. And I'd been playing drums for a couple of years because I started when I was five. So oh, wow. Okay. I, was, I knew I played along to a lot of those songs. Yeah. And so, yeah, the Beach Boys coming to town. Dad got a couple of tickets, and he and I went. Do you remember it at all? I do have a vague memory of it. Yeah, it it, it was it was incredible. My main thing was just I couldn't believe how many people were there. Was, they yeah. were sort of they were like sort of it's a, it was a baseball stadium, so mm-hmm. they were set up basically the stage was in the very center of the of the diamond, like mm-hmm. right in the middle of like right over where the pitcher would pitch mm-hmm. facing towards the catcher, you know, up into the audience. And that whole balcony was all full of people. And I just couldn't believe how many people there were. I mean, looking back, it was probably seven or 8,000 people. But, but that's still when you're ever... so young. I mean, you always think, like, even when oh, you're yeah, young, completely. you like go to the mall and you're like, what is this, human? Oh, it completely blew my you mind. Know? And then, then after that, I just uh, would daydream looking out the window into the big field at mm. my grade school where all the baseball diamonds are and everything and just would just imagine that all full of people mm. and in all in that whole field. And I didn't know anything about rock festivals or anything. Yeah. But that's what I would daydream about, stare out there and just imagine playing and... and, and yeah, and then uh, wow, Beach and then, Boys, man, then that's such a good one. Much, oh. it wasn't too long until uh, I guess it was about thirteen, fourteen years later, and we were just blatantly playing Reading and all those fields of people, and it looked just like it from when I was a kid. I can't. I did not comprehend those numbers of people until I see the videos now, and I go, yeah. "What was I doing on stage, <laughs> acting like?" No big deal. <laughs> but that's I NBD'd all those years, and oh, then I look on. back and I'm like, what? The heck? <laughs> NBD. But it's, it's so good. So good. NBD. You just have gold in this podcast. <laughs> but don't you don't you feel like that's a great coping mechanism? Because if you really 
could fathom the you'd amount be of people. You'd be, you wouldn't, you'd get down and lie no, on your... what's way scarier is in my country band playing for yes. like 17 people in a little saloon where they're just like <laughs> all eyes on you. spitting distance of you. Yeah, that's way scarier. What is your country band called? Brush Prairie. That's wonderful. That's where I was born. That's wonderful. I yeah. did not know. Where can people just find your music? Oh, there's on... like one video and okay. four songs. I we mostly just MySpace. Play. Yeah, yeah, we find MySpace. <laughs> we mostly Tumblr, just yeah. play the little local honky tonks. I'm not so concerned with turning it into another like career. Right. No, no. Yeah. What it is is it's my retirement plan. Not as far as um, economics. It's yes. my retirement plan. The music will always be in my life because I can be in Brush Prairie when I'm 90. Yeah. You know, and just keep doing Patsy Klein songs and yeah. stuff. <laughs> Do you feel that compulsion? What's I'd like to know that there's an outlet should I need it. Okay. And and Brush Prairie is is a traditional country band with kind of the revolving door of musicians and people cycle in and out and no one ever has a breakup or a fight, mm. but you move on to another project that's maybe more organized at the time or mm. or I've let it be somewhat anemic because I'm out doing dandies and yeah. I'm unable to make it a priority. It. And yeah. so there's just this back burner music project that mm. I do enough to where the music community in Portland asks me to do things here and there mm. and and I can put a show together for my birthday or a friend's birthday. Yeah. Or, um, it's there. It's there if I need it, you know, and, and the dandies is this big machine that that mm-hmm. if if at some point it really does just taper off to a show or two a year, yes, I will then then I can put more energy towards Brush Prairie if I want right. to. That's that gives me a sense of comfort. Yes. So tell me about your first. <laughs> Come on, you had like so two minutes. There, to think there's about definitely it. <laughs> some you know cool county fair gigs yeah. that I saw, but the first one where I like held a ticket and went in was a friend. Got I got to go with her to see Nelson. Okay. Not Willie Nelson. <laughs> the Nelson twins the Nelson. Nelson. Was it pretty good? I mean, come on. I'm it, sure was it was great, great that we were at the at the Schnitz. You know, what what was good was seeing the Arlene Schnitzer concert yeah. hall, this beautiful theater. I mean, was I caught up in the show by the end, of course, because yeah. you're surrounded by fans and they're putting on a show and mm-hmm. I've never seen this polished of a of a show and lights and performance. I'd only seen, you know, things where there's hay bales. <laughs> so to have a velvet cushion to see it is... There was an authority to it. Yeah, much different, it you know. Um, yeah. So, yes, and, and I never had any shame in it until, you know, I started getting asked what my first concert was. <laughs> Wait a minute. Mean, Nelson's I mean, not I'm so bad, is it? Have, that's not... The thing no. is, it's it. What what I find is good, especially in the show, is that everybody's got. Some people are like the first was my the one that my mom put on at church. Oh, and the thing and is, it's there, such there a, was definitely some of you those. You know what I mean? First, it's, it's such a beautiful thing because you never know where anybody starts. You the, just read. You well, can read. Well, Google. I know where I started. Yes. I mean, the ones that had an impact on me was one when I was thirteen. My um, aunt got married, my first wedding that I'd gone to, and mm. she had a live band. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of s- s- went up to them on their break and said, hey, uh, do you guys know Great Balls of Fire? <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, we know that one. I'm like, can I sing that one with you guys? And so I went up there and, you know, <laughs> s- 
sangre balls of fire at the wedding and at the end when they were packing up they're like that that kid's gonna be a star someday <laughs> and if i can find those guys at wedding band go hey i mean check this out this is this I'm is a your big official. star yeah let me send you a couple <laughs> youtube videos youtube the other yeah. one wait there's one more the other one was steppenwolf and three dog night at the clark county fair and i was 16 yeah and when jeremiah was a bullfrog started <laughs> I started booking up those steps and up onto the main stage and towards the singer. And my friend behind me, they picked her up while she was running and yeah. turned her the other way. So <laughs> she ran right back off the stage. But he let me stay. And we sang Jeremiah Was a Bullfrog together at the Clark County Fair. Oh, and my God. That's th- so cool. Those are the two that yeah. that started that kind of... I didn't go think to learn an instrument mm-hmm. or any, any of the steps one would normally take to get in a mm-hmm. band. But I started to think it would be a would be cool mm, like mm. oh I, I like being on stage I could do this. Yeah. yeah i like you know singing into the microphone and and being being a rocker do you feel like there is something that you saw then while even after the band had formed um even after you joined is there a performer that you saw and you were like that is exactly what i want to do or do you did you never see yourself like visualize yourself on the stage like how much of that uh, well, I was obsessed with have? Janis Joplin as a kid. Okay, I have her tattoo. She she was certainly the first female performer that I thought really had something to give. Yeah. As far as style, when we joined the band, and I was just sort of flailing on how to like, paper paper. Oh, well, Courtney and Peter were just so cool, and I was like, not as cool. Yeah. Was Matt seeing Mazzy Star in 120 wow. minutes? That was the first one. I was like, oh, oh I'm just gonna do that. Little short A-line skirts, yeah. over-the-knee socks, some men's dress shoes, ripped-up T-shirt, done. Yeah. So that was my first, like, style mm. decision of trying to get a look together. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially as a drummer. Is there anyone that really uh, you felt like you could take, not a cue, but you knew that it was possible? There was something familiar about that performance. Um, I only really cared about whatever... Whatever Ringo Starr would do is yes. what I would do, and if he okay. if he definitely wouldn't do it, then I'm not going to do it. And I always kept my drum set the same size as Ringo, and just always just stuck to that as my rule because I because I always like what he did, and I I wasn't into all those kind of drummers that have like and would would mm. do too many drum fills and all that stuff. Mm. So I just kind of stick with whatever Ringo's. He's very musical. He'd play to the singer, so I was always into that. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, and I didn't really think much about it, just song by song, whatever they're needed with, with Rick Bain. Mm. But then when we started going to see the Dandies all the time, we definitely made a conscious decision to go back to the rehearsal space and attempt to try to imitate that vibe and that mm. feel of the first couple Dandies albums. Mm. And oh, I totally was... Uh, you know, I wanted to get rid of my rack tom, just like Hedford and kind of... yeah. Um, Hedford being the, the first drummer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, play play that kind of a... And how very little he seemed to hit the bass drum. He'd sometimes just hit it on one and three. And just very minimalist. He'd just go like... But yeah. that was kind of like the time, just this kind right? Of thing. In the, in the... I was just kind of a little yeah. bit busier trying to get some counter rhythms in there all the time. And yeah. I just we were like, wow, maybe that's part of it. And... We gotta just try to strip it down to one or two chords. We just wanted to try to see how in the world you could sustain such simplicity for four or five minutes. Some of these songs <laughs> yeah. lasted twice as long as our longest song, mm. and they still seemed to work. And we would talk about why our, we would say, I remember talking about saying nobody ever 
uh, just wanders out early from a dandy's gig. And my, we, we, I remember we were all talking about like our feet don't get sore. We're mm. we're really trying to break down. What in the world why is, is it, it so with this? In, in, enticing. Why is this? And it was mm. just a thousand times better than anything else we could find in Portland mm. to see for under. To be fair, bucks. the competition wasn't super stiff. <laughs> we tried to find it. Though. I was not into the, the music names. scene of the nineties. <laughs> you were not. Wait, in, you mean in Portland? Or just in general. The well, early, no, because I didn't early, know anything about what the, was going on in Europe. Okay, the early, okay. early nineties. Yeah, because like early, MTV early nineties. Yeah, but era. like the yeah. I'm not a grunge person, yes. and so that, and then the other choice was to go to a rave, and I'm not a techno yes. deep house person. <laughs> but I mean, but it, it wasn't I, really I like, to, it was like I wanted to go it was to like those minimal electronic. <laughs> I wanted to go to those parties, but I always hated the music, mm. the live music, the electronic music. It was so hard for me to go be out there. I wanted to go be at the live performances mm. of the 60s and 70s music right. I grew up oh, listening to. Me too. To. Me too. I was Why? forever too. Like, the was closest it just because thing it was, was more um, authentic and the things that you grew up with? What was the appeal? I guess so, yeah. I mean, Courtney's guitar tone at the start of mm. TV theme song and... Mm. And, you know, we just hadn't heard that kind of thing. And, and then the drum set being not bashed to hell, it was just it was just very musical. Mm. And, uh, yeah. The, A serious the, the, lack the, of the, angst. The, yeah, just the, the, the chords. But there was still that, it wasn't punk, but there was still that um, feeling that 60s you were. 60s sounding. Try, you were. I'd say it was it? punk Melodic. in the approach, Pro, punk in the simplicity, I mean? but it was yeah. but it was also not quite beautiful punk. and not aggressive. Yeah, there was no angsty not, screaming. Yeah. It was very melodic. All no, the harmonies sounded like late '60s harmonies, mm, and mm, the chords mm. and the structure of it all. We were just absolutely in heaven. Yeah, talk to me a little bit about uh, Bowie, and obviously because you've collaborated with some fucking amazing people over the years. Um, but I obviously know that you, you Bowie found you or something. He's watched you play. Yeah, he came Is that to the... lots of concerts, yeah. And then did then he brought then he asked you to go on tour. He yeah. asked us to okay. do Mel- the Meltdown Festival. That That's he also curated. a huge festival as well. No. Yeah, no. he headlined yes. it on the seventh day. And uh, and it was like and a the headliner seated... curates the music of the day. Right, okay. That's the There's a lot of festivals like that now. Yeah, I think he curated the whole festival pretty much. I think you get whoever headlines it gets to sort of ha- has quite a big say in what else goes on yeah. that weekend. Yeah, so we we just opened for Bowie on the last night at Royal Festival Hall, and it was it was awesome, and it was like you know very kind of almost like a formal evening mm. uh, with like seated people were all dressed real fancy well, and that's the whole front of the, the whole front of the crowd <laughs> you just look out there when we're playing and I'm going you know it's like Bono and Brian oh Eno and, oh my god that's what? Green Day you look over Green Day's all lined up together Kylie Minogue there. yeah and <gasps> like just, it was just the whole thing it was like it's just, like a f- music it's a festival tribute. for musicians right. and artists it's which is wonderful quite too. sophisticated yeah and, and quite an honor to have been part of and he came down to our studio and he came to our studio in New York when we were mixing a song and hung out the whole day which was really cool but we just got right back to work and he just kind of hung out he was looking at studios that he wanted to go work at showing us trying to decide where he was going to make the next record mm. and uh, yeah I remember that but yeah then he took us on tour we did like 32 gigs or something across remember, Europe with him which was really really nice was there a standout show on that tour or for actually, us or for Bowie for you oh. I'm talking mm. to you I don't think that the shows were all that special why when you're opening okay when you're opening for uh, a band of that size in yeah. a venue of that size 
or if you've been to shows to see bands of that size, what are you doing when the opening band is on? You're I mean, buying a depends. T-shirt, you're looking no, for your but seat. You talk, Getting a it beer. Depends. Very few yeah, people yeah. are there watching you, and that's fine that they are, but there's also a, a massive amount of people rustling around and not paying attention. Yeah. So you're this, you're quite insignificant in the scheme of things I'll, as an opener. I'll tell you what, though. When we opened for the Stones, it was a completely different audience, a whole different deal, because it seemed like the Rolling Stones audience what really got us maybe a lot more more than the Bowie's Bowie. audience. They're well, more just so like beer slugging classic rockers. <laughs> yeah. And they're going, also, yeah, they I loved can imagine us. That. They yeah. just loved and us. That Where Bowie's also, audience was a little bit That could more, also be the yeah. history of the artists. Like for us, for example, our fans come early to see the open because they yeah, know because that they we, know you're going to choose the right We spend one. a lot totally. of time. We, exactly. we labor over yeah. the decision of the openers. Yes. But we might not be known for laboring over maybe sometimes he's interested and sometimes he's not. So maybe people go, whatever, the opener. And maybe with the Stones, they're more known for having a really good opener mm. that goes with them. I've mm. no, I have a I have not backed up this. Well, their theory. kids, their kids, they, their kids take turns picking the opener yeah, yeah, on their one tours. Yeah, their kids chose us for this. I think it was Keith really? Richards, Keith Richards' yeah, yeah, yeah. daughter. That's fucking. Am- when was that tour? Do you remember? Uh, what, we what just year did a few shows it? with them. They were all in Europe, Portugal, and uh, what year was it? Like ninety? Oh god, I'm, or, I'm, I'm sorry, not that 2000, person. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say two thousand six or so. Okay. Oh, Tildy was little. Oh, Tildy was, yeah, that's a good guess. Cause yeah, because Tildy's in the photo. I'm holding her like a toddler. Oh yeah, and Sarah, Sarah came out to a couple of them, and I think that we had already had our kind of, we're yeah. planning on getting married. We weren't married yet or anything. But yeah, Tildy was one or two, so saying 2006 I think it was 06 was a or really so. good guess. 06 or 07. Was there a show that you, that really stood out, and why did it stand out? Like, just, it could be different shows that you experienced, but obviously sometimes you watch a show and you're like, that was the best thing ever. You talk to the artist afterwards and they were like, that was the worst thing Isn't that I've ever done. And it happens, right? Because it can you also don't know... happen on stage. Like I had a great one the I'm other sure. night and the three of them were like, that was the worst. And I was like, really? Yeah. I had a great yeah. time. You just, but every once in a while, you know it. You know that everyone on stage had a good time and that everyone in know? the crowd had a good How do you time. Know? It's just a feeling. Just I don't know. It. But there's a few, the Metro, uh, uh, not the Metro here, the yes. Vic. Vic the Vic here once was yeah. one of the best shows we've ever played. And recently, we just had one like in Northern England, or was it in, was it Manchester or where the hell were we? It was one of those English ones. Near perfect recently. show, Manchester yeah. was that very was good. messed up. Were the people singing along? What yeah. were, like? What is yeah, the craziest the crowds they've gotten? And it, does that like dictate? Our, our you don't know. Do you see get, them? Our audience doesn't get too crazy. They no, just sort of trip out and sing uh, You know, <laughs> each country has its own sort of type of audience and city. But the longer we've played over the years, the more people kind of know what to expect at our show mm. versus what they, the way they behave at shows in general. Mm. Um, but the singing along thing is way more an English thing than in the states. I was going to say, the English they love to break out and song. But it's also it because they do, they do that in yeah. France a lot too. They do it all over Europe. Also, Austra- Aussies, Europe. Aussies like a yeah. sing song. In Australia, they, they like to but sing in, in Australia. In the States, they don't. They don't. They no, dance they're too cool. More. They think I they're cool. Know. No, Americans think they're too cool. They like don't want to bust it up because they. I don't know think it's too cool. I think they're more insecure. Oh yeah. <laughs> And lastly, um, just to let you go, uh, is there a band that you that you either of you have not seen or didn't get a chance to see that you wish you experienced live? Is there that one person that you just didn't get a I mean, Dolly Parton? Like the, I, keep the, 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 I keep missing the that's Dolly still shows. touring or that that uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, Any, of course, the Beatles were crying out loud. Oh, it would have been great to see. Um, 
Black Sabbath in their heyday would have been amazing. I saw Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, but not in their heyday. I would have liked to have seen Zeppelin. Uh, Pink Floyd early days would have been interesting. I've seen Waters a few times, and that's wow. just always yeah, incredible. always good. Dylan pre rock band in one of those theaters where he's just standing there with his guitar. That would have been <laughs> really cool when it's like you know just like lone, mid, yeah mid an old Johnny Cash show would be amazing oh yeah Buck Owens would have been great to see I saw a bunch there. of Merle Haggard that was good uh, <laughs> like four good. times at Crystal Ballroom This Must Be The Gig is produced by Adam Kibble and we'd like to thank Billy Yost and the kickback for our theme song Rube and buy their music at thekickbackband.com. Lexi Frame for the artwork, Daniel Brater and Dean Berger for the additional sound design, and the Consequence Podcast Network, where you'll find a bunch of other amazing shows. listened this far why not go the extra mile and leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts your comments provide valuable feedback for us and it helps other people find us too for information on new episodes be sure to follow us on facebook twitter or instagram at tmbtgpod and generally just irritate everyone you know about the show thanks again and i miss you already Consequence Podcast Network.